0: Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now, your host, James Swanson. Well, the Alshon Jeffrey news has me a little bit down today, I'm not going to lie, but it's going to be okay. I have him and Josh Ford on my dynasty team, so I'm a little bit bummed about that, but we have a lot to get to tonight. It's just going to be me on the podcast tonight, none of my, none of my other co-hosts uh, were able to join me, but. Um, We're going to make this thing go, and like I said, we have a ton to get to. So for today's show, I'm going to immediately touch on the Alshon Jeffrey news. We don't know if he's going to be on the pup list to start the season yet, but it's looking like that is a real possibility at this time where he could miss the first six games of the season. So we'll have to weigh that in, weigh in how Nelson Aguilar's value goes from here, and I have him moving up quite a bit. I'll tell you about that. I'll tell you about a couple of the draft.com teams that I just completed. I have two best ball teams that I just just completed a day or two ago. And then I also have one in session. I'm doing a long draft, and it's the first time I've ever done this. It's interesting to me, and I'll I'll fill you in on that as well and where I'm at in that draft currently. And then I'm going to tell you about a couple players that I'm avoiding based on their ADP. I have two of those, and then we'll get into the league news and notes. There's a few more things to touch on. And uh, a couple injury news injury news and notes, but nothing too huge. Like I said, the Alshon-Jeffrey news seems to be the biggest thing so far. I'll give you my rising star uh, for this week. Hopefully that's a segment that we might try to make a little bit of a regular thing is my rising star of the week uh, heading into the season and then maybe throughout the season as well. And then we'll talk about some overhyped players. I have two overhyped players for you. So let's get into this thing. I, I did want to mention. Usually, we, we have set out a schedule, and we want to continue to podcast usually Sunday nights and Wednesdays. You know, this isn't my full time job. I have a full time job where I work Mondays through Friday, and um, it, it's hard because usually I have to podcast at night and creating my show notes. I'm I'm scrambling to get that done, and then it leaves me where I'm podcasting it like or recording at like nine or ten o'clock at night. And right now it's a little bit after ten on the East Coast, so um, it. it Proves to be challenging, but I've done pretty well at doing at least two a week here in August, sometimes three. We did a bonus episode on Friday night, um, but but last night, I was just like, you know what? I just didn't feel like doing it. Uh, had a lazy weekend. Me and the girlfriend, we just kind of hung out. I think we like—I pretty much feel like I broke the record for most Netflix episodes watched in a weekend. I think we watched like six or seven episodes Saturday of— Breaking Bad and that show is just if you've ever seen it it's absolutely crazy I mean it's kind of like shameless in a way that you just don't know what's going to happen next and it just when you think it it's hit a climax of a crazy thing happening another crazy thing gonna happen so it's a good show check it out right now I'm also watching Frontier with Jason I think it's Momoa uh, he was played Cal Drogo in um, uh, Game of Thrones he's the lead character it's it's pretty good it's not bad um I don't mind it. It's kind of a filler right now until we get to, you know, some more of uh, game. Of, well, Game of Thrones next year is my big show, um, but Stranger Things coming out later this year too, season three. So we're we're looking forward to some. I'm a big into shows, big into Netflix shows. So if you have any recommendations, uh, hit us, hit me up at Pad Stats on Twitter. Let me know if you have any, you know, new shows that you'd like me to check out on on it or on uh, Netflix. So, like I mentioned, Alshon Jeffrey is still nursing that rotator cuff. The surgery that he had on his rotator cuff, he's still nursing that injury. Signs point to that everything in his recovery process is kind of in line with where they thought. The problem right now is he's still not on the practice field in training camp. He's not expected to participate in any any preseason games to this point. And the way it's looking, like I mentioned, he could very well be... Out at the start of the season the first part of the season and again there's a real possibility that this thing could linger and they're just going to keep him on the pup list you know to start the season which like I said he'll miss the first six games so where does I I tried to I wanted to look at where Alshon Jeffrey was going currently in drafts and I wanted to see how that would affect him so the first thing to keep in mind here is if let's, let's just say that Alshon Jeffrey lands on the pup list the Eagles' buy is after Week Six; it's actually Week Nine. So that means that Alshon Jeffrey is actually going to miss seven games if he winds up on the pup list, meaning he'll only be able to play a maximum of nine games, assuming he's healthy over those those weeks. So currently, his ADP is 50th overall. He's going to the top of the first or top of the fifth round and in non-PPR. It's 52nd overall, so it's pretty similar. His ADP through July was in the mid to late fourth round. So he has dropped a little bit. A little bit might might have been about um been because of this injury. Now this news today or the news that I'm talking about now just kind of came through this this update, this development. So I expect it to maybe drop even more. Now again, if we're assuming that let's say he not assuming but but let's just play the scenario still of he's going to wind up on the pup list I just want to make that clear because right now we we don't know he might only miss maybe say he misses the beginning of the season it might only be one or two weeks but right now I am has ranked ranked as or I had him ranked as my wide receiver 19 in non-PPR and wide receiver 22 in PPR I moved him to wide receiver 36 in non-PPR and wide receiver 39 in PPR again just as a filler for right now assuming that He winds up on the pup. I actually moved Nelson Aguilar in front of him in both formats. And here's my thinking. Okay, nine games. Let's say I I crunched some numbers, just put some some numbers together for nine games. And 40 catches, 575 yards, and five touchdowns is what I came up with. I think those are pretty respectable numbers over five games. That would come out to be about 70, 72 catches over a 16-game schedule. Last year, Alshon Jeffrey had 57 catches. The year before with Chicago, I think he had 52. So let's say on a 16-game pace, he has 72 catches. We'll back that off for nine games. That's 40 catches, little under 600 yards. That's about 14 and a half yards per reception, and and five touchdowns over nine games. I think is is fair. I think it's respectable for a guy who figures to be a big-time red zone target, down the field target for Carson Wentz. So that's 87.5 points, and that would have put him as wide receiver 46 last year. So you see where I'm getting at here with my rankings. I actually have him a little bit higher right now than if he played nine games. He would probably finish in the 40s. So having Nelson Aguilar over him, a guy who finished his wide receiver 22 last year, I think is very realistic. I, I see Nelson Aguilar, and I'll actually, little hint-hint here, I'll talk about him later in the show, but he's if he plays 16 games... I mean, we're looking at a borderline, uh, probably a very high wide receiver, too, in terms of fantasy, and a guy who's going sometimes in the ninth, tenth round, man, I've been finding him in the eighth round where I just like taking him there because I see the upside. Scored eight touchdowns last year. Um, I think he had, I'll have to look at the numbers again, but um, he had just shy of 800 yards, 60 plus receptions and 95 targets so with Alshon Jeffrey out we're looking at probably even more targets and again I, I have Alshon Jeffrey, or I'm sorry Nelson Aguilar uh, kind of keyed up here for later in the show so I don't want to give too much away but start thinking about Nelson Aguilar start thinking about where you have Alshon Jeffrey. those two are directly going to impact each other look at the rest of the Eagles offense as a whole I think Corey Clement probably benefits from this a bit Zach Ertz obviously definitely Mike Wallace um, so everything with this Alshon Jeffrey news, and again, I, I've said it like five times now, but he is not on the pup list yet, but keep your ears and eyes open because it's I, I, my gut feeling right now. I think he ends up on the pup list. I really do. So keep your eyes again, eyes and ears open for any Alshon Jeffrey news, and we'll keep you updated as well. All right. I mentioned that I did two best ball drafts uh, over the past couple of days. And first off, if you haven't used draft.com, if you haven't used the app, if you haven't been on the desktop version, it's really great. You can go in there and do best ball drafts right now. If you if you don't know what best ball is, best ball is you draft a team. Typically it's it's a little bit deeper rosters. These are 18 team ros 18 man rosters, uh 12 team half-point PPR, you have a quarterback. Two running backs, three receivers, a tight end, and a flex. No defense, no kicker, no IDP, nothing like that. It's just offensive players. And you don't do anything with your lineup over the season. So it's just about drafting. And th- so no trades, no acquisitions, no free agent, waiver wire, none of that. You don't drop anybody, nothing. The thing I like about it is because it puts so much emphasis on your knowledge and your strategy in drafting. I mean, that's really all it is. I feel comfortable where I'm at with a lot of these guys that have paid so much attention and dug deep into the numbers with a lot of players on a daily, daily basis. So I feel comfortable. And that's the reason I I wanted to try them out this year is because I felt like I was, uh, you know, kind of prepared for that. So if you're going to get in the best ball, I think that would be my only advice, would be, um, well, in terms of when you're planning to get into it, is just do your homework up front make sure you're treating this as the draft is really everything right um so the thing that i i also noticed when i did my my two best ball drafts is i wanted to definitely make sure that i had at least two quarterbacks and at least two tight ends and i also didn't mind stacking up from the same team what i mean there is like rex i I didn't do this i don't think but rex burkhead and sony michelle that's not a bad strategy. It's a pretty good strategy in best ball. It's actually not a bad strategy in, in basic redraft leagues either um, because you're banking. One guy is, right, you're, we're figuring one of those guys is going to have production, and with best ball, the way it works is your, your best players are automatically plugged into your lineup each week. So it retroactively takes the best scores, plugs them into your starting lineup, and you're set, right? So the other scenario that I did that with was OJ Howard and Cameron Brait. And I thought one of these guys is going to be a relevant potential tight end one in fantasy. Cameron Brait was that guy last year. I think OJ Howard has the opportunity to step up and be that guy this year. So when you're looking at it, just keep in mind, that's really, that's a really not a bad strategy. Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle would be another example. Um, So that's just one thing, one strategy when you're going into a best ball draft to keep in mind, it's a, it's a great kind of a way to approach it. So let me just read off my two teams really quickly. The first team that I drafted again, uh, let me mention this one more time. It is a 12 team, half point PPR, three receivers and a flex. So that doesn't change my strategy too, too much. I know that, Hey, I I do want to have maybe a little bit extra depth at wide receiver than I normally would. I went into this thing, and I, I had the seventh pick overall in the first draft. I took DeAndre Hopkins, uh, came back around. I took Christian McCaffrey in the second round with my second pick. And then I'll just read the positions from here, but I, I my quarterbacks were Andrew Luck and Jameis Winston. Wide receivers, as I mentioned, Hopkins. I had Baldwin, Larry Fitzgerald, Golden Tate, Nelson Aguilar, Keelan Cole, and, and Ryan Grant. And every time I say Grant, Grant I want to say Corey Grant, the running back for Jacksonville. Ryan Grant. Ryan Grant. Uh, running backs were again Christian McCaffrey, Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle, Chris Carson, Jordan Wilkins, and uh, Eckler. And I don't feel great about those, but I know that my wide receiver depth is very, very good. I feel good about my quarterback situation and my tight end situation. This is what I mentioned before. I had OJ Howard, Cameron Breit, on the same team. So I knew okay, I need a third tight end at this point because when those two guys are on a bye, I need somebody to fill in. So I took Mike Gasicki with one of my very last picks. Again, this was 18 man roster. So I think I took Gasicki and maybe like the it was late. It was like the fifteenth round or something. So I felt really good about that. Look, if nothing else, he's a he's a fill in guy. Um during Tampa Bay's bye week. I think it's week five. And um, I feel good about that because I know Bright or uh, O.J. Howard, one of those two guys, and if one gets injured, the other one's just going to blow up, hopefully. So I felt good about my wide receiver group there. Again, the running backs, not great, but I did take six of them. So I'm hoping that, look, my three receivers I'll have, and then my flex position on most weeks most likely will be filled by a wide receiver. I can get away with two running backs, one running back, obviously McCaffrey, hoping he can stay healthy for an entire season with that increased workload. And I'm hoping either Ronald Jones uh, or Sony Michelle, one of those two rookies really steps up and takes a a lion's share of their respective teams, you know, workload out of the backfield. Okay. My second team I went with my quarterbacks were actually, I had the first overall pick in this one. So I went Le'Veon Bell, I went running back, running back. I went Le'Veon Bell, Jordan Howard. Um, my quarterbacks were Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, so I felt really good about that. I think I got Matt Ryan in the 10th or 11th round. Uh, Brees, I I believe I took Brees in the 6th or 7th round. Um, I think it was the 6th round. Uh, my wide receivers were T.Y. Hilton, Golden Tate, Michael Crabtree, Nelson Aguilar, Chris Godwin, Keelan Cole, and Ryan Grant, again, towards the end of the draft when I'm looking to kind of fill out my um, you know, my wide receiver depth, I, I keep finding myself falling on similar guys, Mike Williams, um, Michael Gallup, Anthony Miller at times, but Keelan Cole and Ryan Grant are those guys way down there that I feel really strongly about. You can find Keelan Cole behind the rest of the Jaguars wide receivers. Marky Slee, D.D. Westbrook, and I think he has a chance to actually be their number one receiver this year. feel really good about him. So if you're looking for a deep flyer, maybe 13th, 14th round even, I would suggest going out and getting Keelan Cole. My running backs were, were, again, Le'Veon Bell, Jordan Howard, Mark Ingram uh, was my third running back, which I felt great about. Um, I think I got him in the fifth or the sixth round, and I felt good about that because even though he's suspended for the first four games, I have Bell and Howard to carry that workload. And then Ingram is somebody that I think could maybe uh, factor in as my flex play quite a bit. Ty Montgomery, uh, Jordan Wilkins, and Frank Gore rounded out my running back group. And I I felt great about where I got with Frank Gore. I think it was in the 15th, 16th round. Um, You know, just I, I wasn't planning on taking him. I really haven't taken him in a lot of my mock drafts. But where I found him, I just felt like it was a great way to round out my running back depth. And I felt like I was getting really good value in that spot. And then my tight ends were Trey Burton and Eric Ebron. So I'm leaning a little bit more towards that team because I feel it's more balanced. The first team certainly with Hopkins, Baldwin, Fitzy, and Tate, assuming Baldwin's healthy. I love that wide receiver group, and I think I can get away with my running backs. But if I had to lean one, I'll take the second team. Okay, and last but not least, I mentioned that I entered another draft. It was just a a $3 draft on, again, draft.com. And... um. basically this was another 12 team 12 team draft I had the seventh pick and I did a slow draft and I never did one of these before and I'll be honest with you I didn't know what I was getting myself into with this if you've ever done one slow when they say slow I mean it is slow each person i think in the first round got about eight hours to pick uh now it's at like 10 hours so I don't really fully understand how the timing the system works with each pick how much time you get or Seems to increase for some reason. um, But yeah, so I guess these drafts can, you know, realistically, they'll they'll take days at some point, at some times, depending on the type of people I guess you're drafting with and whatnot. And I, the more I've done it, I actually, you know, kind of like it. I think my first pick was this morning at like probably 10 a.m. As I mentioned, that was probably about 12 hours ago because it's 1030 on the East Coast right now. So I had the seventh overall pick. I took DeAndre Hopkins with my first uh, pick, and then I came back around and took Christian McCaffrey in the second round, um, and then I got Travis Kelsey. I just I wasn't planning on taking a tight end, excuse me, at that pick, but where Kelsey fell to me at three point seven, I just felt like that was value I couldn't pass up. So right now I'm waiting on it to get back to me. Um, there's I'm up in. Uh, there's another three or four picks ahead of me still before I pick again, but currently still on the board in the fourth round. I feel good about where this is coming. Um, Doug Baldwin's still there. Derek, Derek Henry's still there. Cooper, uh, Jay Ajayi. I'm not super high on Ajayi this year. Demaris Thomas, Mark Ingram, uh, Mark Ingram, somebody I wouldn't suggest taking until the fifth round just because of those four games. And I'm a little bit worried that Kamara just blows it out of the water in those first four games and they just can't take him off the field. Uh, Mark Ingram's, what, 28, 29 years old at this point? I'm not too much too worried about that, to be completely honest with you, because his workload hasn't been crazy high. He's not like Le'Veon Bell, where he's carrying the ball 280, 290, 300 times a year. Um, but I'm still starting to get a, maybe a little bit concerned. I, I still think he's a decent RB2. Uh, Lamar Miller um, is still there. Brandon Cook. So when it gets back to me, I'm hoping that I can take Derrick Henry. I don't know if he'll still be there. If not, I'll probably take Doug Baldwin. And if both those guys are gone, I'm going to look seriously hard between probably Amari Cooper and Lamar Miller. Um, for, and this would be 4.6. 4. So we'll figure it out, and um, I'll talk more about this draft probably on our on our Wednesday episode. I don't know if it'll be over by then, but at least I'll have some more picks to talk about. Okay, let's talk about two players that I'm avoiding based on their current ADP. The first one, look, I've been beating this drum for a while now. I realize that. I apologize, but it's just getting to be a little bit ridiculous. And maybe the recent calf strain will kind of start to scare people a little bit. I know that's probably not an injury you have to worry about long term, but Jarek McKinnon, that's who we're talking about here. And he might, he's probably going to miss, I would assume most of the preseason at this point with that injury they're going to be cautious with him especially since they just lost Matt Breida uh they did just sign Alfred Morris to have some a little bit more running back depth the 49ers are beat up right now in general we'll talk about that when we get in the league news and notes a little bit um but look so this is a problem with Jerry McKinnon is the fact that currently he's going at the end of the second round and quite frankly, I think that is crazy. I think it's way too high. He's going 22nd overall, 2.10. He's already getting banged up, like I mentioned. Um, he's five foot nine, 205 pounds, and he's never carried the ball more than 160 times in a season. And his yards per carry the last two years combined is 3.6. There's just a lot of concerns there for me that he can hold up over the course of the year. He's going in front of guys like Gronkowski, Evans, Mixon, Hilton, McCoy, Baldwin, Diggs and Thielen, um, Derek Henry, Travis Kelsey, Rogers, uh, Tyree Kill, Fitzie Cooper. So you get the point. Most of those guys, not all of them, but most of those guys, I would take over Jarek McKinnon. It's not it's not so much about where he falls in the running back group. A couple of those guys, if if I know McCoy's playing for the entire year, I might lean McCoy. It's close. I think I'm definitely taking Derrick Henry because I'm a little higher, higher on him. Um, but in terms of the other positions, I just feel like there's a lot of guys there, receivers, quarterback, tight end, that are much, much better options. And I just am not willing to take that risk with Jarek McKinnon at the end of the second round. The second guy that I don't really think I'm going to get any shares of because I don't believe in his ADP, a little bit farther down the list, Devin Funchess. ADP is currently ninety-first overall. He's going mid-eighth round. He's going in front of guys like Cooper Cup, uh, Robbie Anderson, uh, Marquis Goodwin, Robert Woods. He's go- other guys. He's going in front of Andrew Luck. He's going in front of Duke Johnson. Last year, he had sixty-three catches, eight hundred and forty-eight yards, and eight touchdowns. So that's good. That's a good season. He finishes wide receiver twenty-one. So he's a wide receiver two um, for a large part of the the season there, but. I think we need to look at the supporting cast and what how he fit in last season. It's 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 completely night and day in my mind. Greg Olson was gone most of the season. When he was playing, he was a shell of himself for almost every game. Kelvin Benjamin got traded. What halfway? Not even halfway through the season. Plus, the Panthers added DJ Moore in the first round this year. They added Jarius Wright. They added Torrey Smith. I just I don't see any any scenario where he gets back to those numbers. I don't see a scenario where he gets to eight touchdowns either. They added C.J. Anderson, who's a much better pass catcher. I think this is underrated as well. The fact that C.J. Anderson is a better pass catcher than Jonathan Stewart. He had 28 receptions last year compared to Stewart's eight. And I think Jonathan Stewart, the last two or three years, has been in single digits in catches. And C.J. Anderson is usually a guy who you can count on for 25-plus. I think he might even have, I'll have to double-check, but he might even have 30 in a year or two. So there's probably 15 to 20 more receptions from one backfield mate. The other guy, McCaffrey, we know he's going to catch probably 80 balls. I just think there's a lot to go around for Funchess to get back to that number. Plus, I just don't think he's that talented, to be honest with you. Uh, There's several receivers here I'd prefer over him, plus Duke Johnson. And I'd also rather have the QBs, you know, Luck, who I mentioned, tight ends as well. Um, I think Kyle Rudolph is somebody you can find in this range. Jordan Reed, if he can stay healthy, I really like him. And look, I'd prefer Funches more in the late round nine or 10. I'm not going to get him there. I don't think just based off what people are, they're looking at the numbers from last year and expecting him to duplicate that. I'm just warning you that I don't think he's going to. Okay, let's talk league news and notes. Alshon Jeffrey was the big news today that I had heard. Some other mild injury, camp injury news. Saquon Barkley had a mild strain. It was a uh, in his leg but doesn't appear to be serious that was a bit of a scare there everybody especially in Giants country was holding their breath a little bit but it looks like Barkley is going to be okay Antonio Brown apparently limped out of individual drills this afternoon reported by Ed Dush- Ed Bouchette um, uh, Post Gazette I believe it was but but then Brown tweeted at Bouchette and said you know what are you talking about man like something to the effect of you know Stop spreading fake news, more or less. Not verbatim, but you get the point. So I don't know. It sounds like A.B. didn't reaggravate anything or whatever he was dealing with earlier. Not sure there. I think we'll have a little bit more news on that as the week progresses, but I think A.B.'s going to be okay. I wouldn't worry yet about draft where you're drafting him. I still think he's a top-five pick. Jarek McKinnon, as I mentioned, strained calf muscle. But the Niners news in general, Matt Breida and George Kittle, both look like they're going to miss or likely miss the remainder of the preseason and as i mentioned 49 ers sound signed alfred morris and um kyle Shanahan expects him he thinks he is a, you know a very good shot you know to make the team as well even with everybody healthy and the bears finally came to terms with the rookie linebacker roquan smith so good news there he hadn't signed yet was a late holdout could be an immediate impact player and actually a pretty nice idp option i expect he has a you know a good chance to start it right away Sam Darnold received the bulk of the first-team reps for the second straight day Monday. Keep an eye on that quarterback situation. I don't think that's set in stone quite yet. I would still lean Josh McCown as the starter, but Darnold seems to be gaining some momentum. Bucks head coach Dirk Cutter says Peyton Barber is quote is or quote is our starter. I again kind of like the Chris Carson situation. Don't get too hyped up on what those head coaches are saying quite yet, because I do think the talent is going to win out. I'm not a huge Ronald Jones guy. I find himself, myself, him being available for me in the fifth round a lot of times in mock drafts, and I'm taking him um, as you know sometimes my first wide receiver, running back. If I'm gone, no, no running back strategy or my second running back. Um, this certainly makes me not feel as good. I don't think we're going to see that 15 plus touches a game uh, throughout the court throughout you know averaged over the course of the season for Jones. But I think eventually he's going to work his way into the primary role in that offense. Um, but it's guys that I might start considering, I, looking at Carryon Johnson, he's one guy or maybe one of the Patriots backs, Burkhead or Michelle, I might start considering more than Jones. Before this point, I hadn't. Okay, my rising star. I just talked about him a little bit, and that's Nelson Aguilar. I feel really good about Nelson Aguilar this year partially because of this Alshon Jeffrey news, I already felt good about him before taking him in maybe the ninth round. He's currently, I think you can find him in the middle of the 10th round. Um, but I, I like him a little bit earlier. I'm I'm almost, well, I was going to say I'm almost ready to put him in that kind of that Marquise Goodwin uh, conversation. Marquise Goodwin's actually creeping up. I'm finding him in the sixth round a lot of times, which is, I want Marquise Goodwin on my team so bad, but I don't know if I'm willing to, get him in the sixth round yet because of I find myself wanting to take a quarterback like Andrew Luck in the sixth round a lot of times but anyway that's besides the point Uh, Nelson Aguilar is somebody that last year 95 targets 62 receptions 768 yards eight touchdowns as I mentioned when I talked about Alshon Jeffrey he finished as the wide receiver 22 in both formats look this season with if Alshon Jeffrey were to miss six games I think 15 to 20 extra targets is certainly in the wheelhouse for Nelson Aguilar. So let's, let's peg him at 15 extra targets. Let's say he gets to 110. We'll put him at the 65% catch rate that he had last year with Carson Wentz. That's 72 receptions on 110 targets. Um, I have him at about 900 yards. So let's put 900 yards right in the dot, seven touchdowns. So let's take a touchdown away. He'll finish his wide receiver 22. If you add that extra touchdown and say he gets back to eight with those catches and yards numbers in a PPR league Um or sorry, it's in the standard league. You're going to be looking at a top 16 or 17 wide receiver. So I think the sky's the limit for Nelson Aguilar. I think he's finally coming to his own. I think he's talented. He's a playmaker. He's figuring it out. He's still only 24, 25 years old. Another year with Carson Wentz is only going to benefit him. And again, if Alshon Jeffrey were to miss any time this year, you're looking at Nelson Aguilar as possibly the most targeted wide receiver for the Eagles with Mike Wallace probably being next, I would assume. Uh, Matt Collins is going to find his way in that role into that offense as well. Obviously, Zach Ertz is going to have his role. But Nelson Aguilar's ceiling is, is continues to be pushed up and up. I like him. He's currently being drafted as wide receiver 46 in a 12-team half-point PPR. That blows my mind. He's going behind guys like Allen Hearns, Devontae Parker, Jordy Nelson. I just don't understand this. So go out and get Nelson Aguilar and like honestly, you can probably get him in, again, like I said, the 10th round. If you want him though, like like I'm I want him, I'm willing to go get him in the eighth or the ninth round. Certainly. I think he's going to return very nice. Possibly wide receiver. Look, I I, I think he's kind of like Marquise Goodwin in the sense that I think he's a really, really good chance to return wide receiver to value. If anything, you're looking at an extremely good flex player. So Nelson Aguilar, he's my rising star of this week. Um, I'm going to try to, like I said, I might, might start doing that each and every week, have a new rising star. Okay, let's talk overhyped players, and this is my last segment for tonight. I have two... Overhyped players, the first one, who it's actually somebody I I I like, and I wouldn't mind drafting him. But the problem is, is where I'm starting to see him go, and that's Joe Mixon, currently being drafted as 25th overall in a 12-team half-point PPR running back 15. Where he's going amongst the running backs isn't really my big concern. I think 15 is is fine. But I'm starting to see him actually go in the middle of the second round in a lot of mock drafts, and that's right around 20th overall. He's going in front of guys like T.Y. Hilton, LaShawn McCoy. Now, that's let's assume LaShawn McCoy plays 16 games. Doug Baldwin, both Vikings receivers, Travis Kelsey, Aaron Rodgers, Fitzy. If we're talking a PPR league, I'm, I'm, I like a lot of those guys more. Um, probably not Rodgers. I'm, I'm wanting to wait on him until the end of the third round at the earliest possible, hopefully. Um, but the rest of those guys, I mean, it's, it's very close. Uh, the, 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 the big thing for me is the Bengals offensive line is just not very good or it hasn't been good. I know they upgraded it a bit, but I still have some pretty significant concerns with that line and just with that team and that offense in general, 2017, they had 3.6 yards per carry as a team that was 29th in the league, 2016, just four yards per carry that was 20th in the league. And if Mixon finishes the season at like 3.9 or 4 yards per carry, this is what I think his numbers are going to look like. I had him at 225 carries between 880 and 900 yards, 35 receptions, 255 total yards through the air, and seven total touchdowns. That puts him at about running back 17. It doesn't sound bad. It's close to where he's being drafted in terms of running backs. Again, my thing here is just the overall where he's being drafted. I just would be much more comfortable with him in the early to mid third round. I don't think I'm going to get any shares of him because again, as I see it, he's going in the mid to late third round. He's kind of falling in that same running back range as Jordan Howard. They're, they're going back to back in some cases right around Gronkowski though. I think I would rather have Gronkowski over Mixon at this point. So again, I, I don't think that Mixon has a bad year. I think the other thing to consider is the total carries, 225 is what I have him at. I've seen other places that project him around 215 to 220. We know that Gio Bernard's gonna have his roll of 120, 125 carries, plus 50 to 55 catches, so figure 170, 180 total touches for Gio Bernard. Um, I don't know. I just have a tough time if, if he struggles on the ground with his yards per carry, and if for some reason the touchdowns don't follow, I mean, you're looking at a pretty unimpressive season for Joe Mixon Um, so that's my take on him just kind of I would suggest just tempering your expectations a little bit I wouldn't suggest taking him in the middle of the second round where I've been seeing him going I would take some of those receivers like Mike Evans like T.Y. Hilton over him for sure but for all the reasons I just mentioned just think he's a little bit overhyped at this time okay my second player that I believe is being overhyped a bit and that's Brandon Cooks On July 13th, his ADP was 5.02. Now, on August 13th, it's 4.07. So it's gone up. And this is my biggest thing with Brandon Cooks is I think 60 catches, 900 to 950 yards, and like five touchdowns could be a real possibility. And those numbers aren't great. That's 120 to 125 fantasy points. That puts him at the range of wide receiver 22 to 25 that's where i saw him being drafted before now it's gone up he's being drafted as i think wide receiver 17 or 18 in in non-ppr leagues look i, I think just you know currently being drafted again right in that range i think i think it's 17 or 18 off to double check but he's going in front of gordon demaris thomas fitzy allen robinson those are all guys that i assuming that josh gordon plays all guys that i like more than him um And look, the other thing, too, is you got to think about that offense. He has a real chance to be the third most targeted player behind Cup and Woods. Call me crazy, but last year, Cooper Cup was, um, I can't remember, but I I know he's going to be close to or around 100 to 105 targets. And I think Woods is going to be, or at least last year on pace, he was going to be around 110 to 115 targets. So those are two guys that are, again, both probably going to be over 100 targets. I think Cooks is right in that range too, 100 to 105 maybe. You're probably talking about three players that are separated by 10 to 15 targets altogether. Look, last year Sammy Watkins only saw 70 targets in 15 games. So I think Brandon Cooks sees more than that, but I'm just concerned about the work, you know, the, the target share, the workload. I think he's their most explosive receiver that gives them the biggest threat and the best chance to go five for 120 in a touchdown, uh, more so than the other two guys. But I can't stress it enough. It just comes down to the target share and I just don't think he gets there. So again, that's the second player that I have is kind of overhyped and and those are the biggest reasons why. Okay, so that's all I have for tonight. These always go so much quicker when it's just one person, um, when I don't have another person or two putting in their input. But it's also harder because... I end up running out of breath half the time. So, look, you can find the podcast. I mention this every time, but go follow us. Go go favorite the podcast. Go subscribe to it on iTunes, on Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. We really appreciate you supporting the show. You can find us on iTunes, Facebooks, Facebook, Facebook um, Instagram. And, um, yeah, so we'll do another show probably Wednesday night. I'll have one or two of the guys on with me. Also, we are still filling spots for the podcast lead, so if you're interested in that, you can go ahead and DM me on on Twitter, uh, you know, message me on Facebook or Instagram as well, and I'll get back to you. But until then, everybody, have a great Monday night. Have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.